0: I was getting ready to leave for a meeting, but a letter from Mama's older brother is an important event in our home. So I gathered with everyone else at the kitchen table around steaming cups of tea as Mama read aloud from Uncle's thick missive, slowly deciphering his archaic cursive German Keuenschrift. What interested me most, of course, was the political intrigue. After a putsch in 1923, Spain now finds itself in the hands of General Miguel Primo de Rivera, right beside the king, who is referring to the dictator as his own Mussolini, and he evidently says that with pride. This is GP Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network, and today I'm talking to Judith Berlowitz, author of Home So Far Away, Reading several years of diary entries, we learn about the life of the author's distant relative, Clara Philipsborn. The diary opens with Clara, a 35-year-old chemist living with her family in Berlin, as she prepares for a trip with her mother and sisters to visit their uncle Julius in Sevilla. Clara is passionate about communism, which she hopes will solve global issues of inequality for both workers and women. But the 1930s are filled with riots, large-scale destruction, and civil war in Spain, where Clara now lives. Also, there's the Nazi uprising in the rest of Europe. The novel describes Clara's adventures in Spain and her inner thoughts about the world that exists and the world she'd like to see.
1: Hi, Judith. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Laleed. Thank you for having me, and thanks also for your interest in my book. Tell us, how did you find the records
0: of Clara Phillipsborn, and why, how? When did you decide to turn her story into a novel?
1: Well, the story of Clara Phillipsborn sort of imposed itself on me. I was doing research for a narrated genealogy that I was working on about my Phillipsborn family, who still dwell in Chicago, by the way. And I came across an article in German, after Googling just the name Philipsborn, about a Clara Philipsborn who was the only woman to volunteer in the Spanish Civil War as an anti-fascist from the German state that she was born in, Schleswig-Holstein. From there... I couldn't do much more because I was finishing this first book and I was also teaching full time. So uh, by the time I was ready to retire, I was ready to launch into this Clara Phillipsborn story. And I made contact with various uh, Civil War buffs, Spanish Civil War buffs via Facebook that were in Spain and in other areas of Europe and in the United States. And they turned me on to the Soviet archives Uh, at the end of the Spanish Civil War. All the records or many of the records were taken to the Soviet Union, and today they reside in Moscow. Unfortunately, they've all been digitized. So to answer your question more um, directly, I found about 20 little... Uh, snippets of documents about Clara. And from those documents, I realized that her story had to be told. And let me say a little bit more about that. Since I'm a genealogist, I tried to find other family members. And I did find relatives of hers uh, that she had had that she had 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 come in contact with, including one uh, man in Australia. Uh, That's another story, how he got to Australia from Berlin, um, who said that she had visited him in 1939 toward the end of the Spanish Civil War and that she had left and, and he'd never heard from her again and he assumed she had been killed in Spain. But then I was in touch with other relatives who said? Oh, we heard from her in from one of those. This is this is very helpful. One of those Latin American countries, and she told us to be sure that we raised our children as communists. And so, given that um, there were there was so many there was so much information, so much of it was conflicting. The, the end of her story was so conflicting that I. She needed a voice, and I had to give her that voice, so that's how I decided to write about her, and that what I would write about her would be her diary.
0: Mm. The book opens in 1925 with a visit to an uncle in Seville. Why has Uncle Julius um, kept his Jewish origins a secret from his wife and family?
1: Well, that's a good question. In order to answer that question, you have to know something about the history of Spain and Spain's official attitude toward minority religions, be the, the majority religion being Roman Catholicism. So, uh, in thirteen in the thirteen hundreds, there were pogroms actually in in Spain t- uh, against the Jewish population. The Jews themselves were officially expelled from Spain in fourteen ninety two. The uh, that. That expulsion, that date co- coincided more or less with the retaking of Muslim Spain by Christians in the what they call the Reconquista, and um, under, some somehow un, in the in the Spanish DNA since then there has been a sort of a simmering anti-Semitism which includes both Jews and Muslims, and so going to live in Spain and work in Spain, which Uncle Julius did. Um, he knew uh, what would be what would happen. I, I'm sure. I never knew him, of course. Although I have been in touch with his descendants, by the way, who did not know he was Jewish. Uh, he got the message that he was not going to be uh, an out Jew in Spain. Um, so he simply. As as in is as, as specified in the book, he just kind of goes through the motions of being a Catholic, and then he, he at the at the end he becomes, and I'm going to use one of my fa- my favorite expressions, more Catholic than the Pope. His death was honored by by the Pope, and so on.
0: Yes, I told you that although it was three months ago that I read Home So Far Away. Um, I did so because I was traveling through Spain, and I loved reading the history that you included as I walked those same streets. Can you say more about how Clara and her family struggle to celebrate Passover in Sevilla? Because I have to tell you, just three months ago, what I see in Spain is a welcoming of Jews to see their history I I just read that a Michelin starred restaurant just opened in Barcelona, so they're really trying to get back the the communities, at least as tourists. What they are to it's kind say? of a
1: fad in Spain now to uh, to be pro Jewish, not so not so pro Muslim, but pro Jewish. And Jewish communities are now being recognized, and there's um, the archaeologists are doing their doing their due diligence. Um, but, um, can you repeat the question again, please? Ah, I wanted to know about the
0: Passover, the celebration that they had.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it, it occurred to me that if they were going, if, if Clara and her family were going to visit Spain, going to visit their uncle in Seville during Holy Week, that, uh, since it was 1925, the Catholic Holy Week coincides with Pesach. And so that became an, an issue for, for, for the family. How can we go to Spain during Holy Week of its Passover time? And um, so I, I sort of created a... Um, I don't know what you call a knockoff Passover ceremony or a wannabe Passover ceremony in the book that, that uh, satisfies the family to a degree. And it also wakes up the uncle a little bit to his Jewish heritage. I thought it was very moving and beautifully, beautifully done. So the family in
0: Germany, they start seeing anti-Jewish signs. And Clara and her sisters question their mother, who says, we have lived in Germany for centuries. We are Germans first. Clara has something to say about Herr Hitler in 1930.
1: Can you talk about that a little, about Clara's vision? Yes, Clara and uh, her sister Gerda also are very worried, and the the older the older people, and I'm sure many of us have the experience in our family saying, "Oh, it can't happen here. We are fine. We've been here for centuries," but they seem to have their eyes a little bit more open, uh, perhaps just simply because they are more more mobile than their than their parents, especially than than their mother, um, and they simply. See the signs. They read the signs literally and uh, and figuratively of oncoming fascism.
0: Let's talk about how Dr. Albert Einstein helps Clara with her dream of uh,
1: working in Spain. So people ask me that question, and they say, is Einstein really in this story? And I tell them he is, perhaps not in a way that it is in the fictional account. Remember, my book is fiction. But he did know the family. Uh, his colleague, the physicist Leo Szilard, did rent a room in the Phillips Barn home. And he was an associate, as I said, of, of Einstein's. And uh, Clara's sister, Gerda, actually uh, did some secretarial work. She typed... Um, yeah, she typed Seilard's thesis, but she also was a sort of intermediary between Einstein and the Hebrew, Hebrew University. So I thought, why not have Einstein be a uh, uh, sort of like a, a referral for Clara to get into Spain as he was a guest in, uh, by this guest of the Spanish government. I don't remember the exact year, but he he was even invited to come to Spain and uh, and to work there, which did not work out. He ended up at Princeton, as we know. Yes, we do know that. Um, Aside from being a
0: chemist, Clara's passion is communism. Can you say a word about that?
1: Uh, Aside from being what? Excuse me. A chemist. Oh, yes. Yes. I think her uh, her communism is sort of a visceral com- communism, if that, that makes sense at all. Um, she probably takes the best of, of, the, of the idealism of the communist party and uh let's go over the rest. Um, so she has a very strong sense of fairness, a sense of uh, equality of, um, and uh, affiliation for the working class. And uh, this, her her communist uh, tenets or communist beliefs, I think evolve in the book. And I'm not going to give much in, more information about that. But it really comes to a head in Spain, where the factions come in in, in as sharp contrast as the fascist. Against the, idea, against the loyalists in Spain. So they're going to be uh, the, the Stalinist faction versus the Trotskyite faction and the ar- anarchists and the anarcho-syndicalists. Uh, this sounds really complicated right now, but Clara has to deal with all that in, in, the, in the time that she's in Spain. Can you introduce her boss,
0: Dr. Foster, and explain the work that they're doing in the
1: beautiful laboratories? Ah, This is Mary Louise Foster, who is an American, who was an American uh, chemist and physicist, I believe. And she uh, was associated with the American Association of University Women. And she established in Madrid a department that would cater to female students of science. And uh, her, her legacy... Her legacy lives on in Spain. There are uh, departments named after her at the University of Madrid and so on. And so she becomes a sort of mentor for Clara when Clara gets her first job in Spain in in the faculty in the School of Medicine at University of Madrid. I loved your
0: descriptions of food, and I'm wondering if you had the opportunity to do eating research in Spain in addition to other kinds of research.
1: The only eating research I did in Spain and do in Spain is what I eat in Spain. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done any um, any academic research in eating, but the, but the food in the book is all quite symbolic, as you'll see. Um, For example, the puff pastry that's called A Thousand Leaves becomes a way that Clara uh, sort of communes with her ancestors that she never had. Um, It's something kind of exotic and so on. And then, of course, the lack of food during the war, the plenitude plenitude of garbanzos, chickpeas, which was all anyone got to eat, uh, all have symbolic use in the book. It was so interesting. I loved that part. Clara describes
0: a lot of flux in the country, a new constitution, riots, burning of churches, a new role for women and less controlling role for the Catholic church. Can you say more about what
1: Spain was undergoing in the 1930s? Oh my goodness. So, um, What Spain was undergoing in the 1930s had a very, very long history. Uh, I love to to think of Spain's 18th century uh, that that people have described as two Spains. Uh, There is as much, it wasn't in terms of left and right as in terms of uh, bring back Spain's old glory, make Spain great again, and where Spain could go. Uh, It was influenced by the French Enlightenment. And by French writers and so on. So by the time the 30s come along, there is also the element of um, almost a feudal agricultural system in which p- people work the land that they don't own, uh, surrender the goods to the oh, to the landowners, and many of the lands were owned by the church itself. So these this these issues of of in inequality, of, of the work problems, and of the hierarchy and domination of the church come into power uh, in the Spanish government so that uh, there are specific political parties that represent anti clericalism. Uh, equal rights equal rights for women the vote and so on but but again based on a very long history in spain it didn't didn't wasn't just born yesterday as it were mhm clara
0: is a single woman but she enjoys men a
1: couple of nice flings one is with a student can you say more yes um as I said, you were, you were mentioning Clara's uh, passion for communism. Clara is a passionate woman, period. And though she is a very good scientist and a very capable chemist, and uh, she has some intellectual uh, connections with the, with the Communist Party, she is also a living, breathing, palpitating, vibrating female. Uh, she... So uh, I don't want to say a little uh, much more about that, but uh, her, um, let's say, her sexuality does get her in a bit of trouble in the book. Yes, that is true.
0: Okay, so now, once the Spanish Civil War breaks out, it was that nineteen thirty-six? Clara Clara leaves her work to volunteer. Could you explain how she comes to feel that she's connected to
1: Spain by blood? Yes, I when I use that term I'm thinking of again the visceral connection so your 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 viscera's have blood in them but also because she had, she touches blood while she's healing while she's working on people that have been injured in the war. So I think that's what I what I meant by that by that yeah, phrase. Yeah, say
0: more, say more about how she connects to
1: Spain. She's a German woman and she's She's in love with Spain. She is. I think. I think she's obsessed with Spain. But maybe "obsessed" can sound like a, a negative term. That I think it's her destiny. She, Spain is sort of a Basher for her. Uh, it's as it, as if she had as if it were a part of her DNA, which I I doubt very much. Uh, or maybe the word affinity would be a, a better term. That uh, once she's there, and once she starts speaking the language, and and uh, shaping her vocal apparatus in a different way, and uh, communicating with with Spanish people, and eating Spanish food, and drinking Spanish wine, and then putting her hands inside the bodies of of wounded, that uh, that affinity kind of becomes uh, I don't know if the word plasmalo and and it becomes almost a part of her, her, um, her being, mm-hmm. her essence.
0: You know, there's so much more to talk about in your book. General Franco comes up, the Republican forces holding off the nationalists, the coldest winter on record in Spain, and not to mention Clara's relationship with Ernst. But what I really want to know is what else you discovered about Clara that you didn't include in your novel
1: let me think about that one for a moment just between you and me (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay actually i think that everything i found out about her i spilled it into the novel in some way or another even if i um uh I distort it a little bit, but, it was, but everything in there is based on what I actually found out about her. Uh, I should say that I had mentioned that the documents were conflicting, were contradictory, and some of the documents, now I'm going to answer your question more directly now that I think about it, that some of the documents stated her as a fascist, as a pro-Nazi, and so on, and that was something I... I would just—it was just anathema. I could—I could not talk about that in the novel because I didn't believe that it was true. And and after I realized that, people told me, "Okay, these things were just made up by a certain uh, a certain gang, let's say, of of people."
0: Yeah, she struggled with that. With people um, saying things about her, she struggled a bit. Wow. What a wonderful accomplishment. Can I ask Judith, what are you working on next?
1: What am I working on? Uh, I'm going to do the math a little bit. Um, I'm 83 years old, and I would love to do more research on what happened to Clara after the Spanish Civil War. But I'm not sure how much time I have. So I'm working on my genealogy, and I'm also working on sort of spotlighting the different characters from the book, from home so far away. So I've done a couple of uh, fake podcasts. In other words, interviews with the characters after they're dead (laughs) that get to talk about their previous lives, uh, the things that happened to them during the book and what happened to them after the book. So I might, I might carry that on, carry on with that a bit more.
0: Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, Judith.
1: It's been my pleasure, Galit. Uh, You asked some really interesting questions, and it was very stimulating. Thank you. And again, thank you for joining me. This is G.P.
0: Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking to Judith Berlowitz about her fabulous novel, Home So Far Away. Hope you're reading something wonderful this week, and always...